0: everybody um welcome to episode 59 of the utah royals fc show i am Vircho and with me i have megan and rj hello hello Hello. we
1: are back back again
0: it feels like we're not back because we've literally been talking for the past like hour and a half for real though yeah it's been a very long day i'm excited to podcast though i'm very excited to podcast
1: i would be more excited if utah won but we'll get into that
2: yeah that's a I can agree with that take from RJ.
0: I'm feeling like it's going to be a very ranty episode. Um, (laughs) So uh, we will see where we get. Right. So um, first bits of news, Um, the RSL Soapbox Twitter um, has been reported for some reason. We don't know why. Uh, My speculation is that there are a bunch of fans who don't like what we write. And so they reported it. I don't know. That's just a crazy hypothesis. Maybe um, Lucas has been just like sending really inappropriate messages into people's DMs and just hasn't been talking about. Uh, It's all Lucas' (laughs) fault. 100%. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, So um, if you're not seeing RSL sub-box on Twitter, that's why. Um, But uh, keep reading that stuff. Good stuff. So some news that we got shortly before we hit record. Taylor Lytle, season an ending injury on a scooter. She's on the scooter. She had surgery. I actually saw her at the game. I was going to get water. Um, I saw her on a scooter and my eyes are really, really bad. She had these super dope sunglasses on. And I was just looking at her super awkwardly as I was passing her going, is that Taylor Lytle? I think that's Taylor Lytle to myself. And then she smiled at me and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, that's Taylor Lytle. Um, and then I just smiled back and kept walking. And it was an extremely uncomfortable interaction um but it was very cool. so hi Taylor Lytle. Um, she was on a scooter, so that's that.
2: I had a similar experience to that with Abby Smith, but on an elliptical bike once, so I feel for you in that moment. but I know I know.
0: Um, I also do this weird thing um, before kickoff is like when I think Rachel Corcy is um, like looking at me, I'll salute her like, oh Captain, my Scottish captain. And I don't think she's ever noticed, but the people around me just stare. Um, and my girlfriend just pretend she doesn't know me. Uh, so that's another thing that happened. There's a lot of awkward moments. I feel like we're all good fans. Um, we're decent media people, but at least on my end, we're just extremely awkward people.
1: I feel like if Rachel Corsi knew that, she would try to get you to find some way to get her more Instagram followers because that is her sole <laughs> mission in life right now is Instagram followers and beating England in the World Cup.
2: Is this the time where we plug their podcast because it's really good, or are we gonna just like keep all the listens to ourselves?
1: I mean, I listened to it on the way home, and it was thoroughly enjoyable.
2: You probably don't even like really follow like No Netum because he's he's a Broso guy, but it I, it was a quality podcast this
1: week. I was a big fan. I I enjoyed it, and there was a lot of men's soccer, and it was it was still
0: quite good. I I mean. I don't want to say Erica Tamarack and I are friends, but we follow each other on Instagram and Twitter. So I guess that sort of makes us friends. Um, yeah, I am 100% for plugging any and all content from the club. I'm good with plugging it every week. Great episode. Um, Katie Stengel also had Gunny on her podcast this week. It was also pretty good. Uh, they talked about the World Cup. Um, I noticed, Katie, they're only two episodes in, but they're really sort of digging into... Some of the criticisms of women's soccer that we've talked about, like uh, obviously wage gap, um, resource disparities, sort of the love that is given to national team players compared to, or at least like the love that is given to U.S. national team players that's not given to, you know, like a Katie Bowen or a Rachel Corsi or, you know, in another national team. So that was a really good conversation. Check that out as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the big news we have, and so in addition to Taylor Lytle's season ending in early, season ending a little bit early, so Royals signed Mallory Weber. She was waived by the Portland Thorns on May 8th. So literally five days ago, uh, Royals picked her up this afternoon. She was selected in the second round of the 2016 Andy Bocell College Draft from Penn State by the New York flash, the Western New York flash immediately traded to the thorns and she made 44 appearances scoring one goal. Um, And last year she made 14 appearances, nine of which were starts while logging 714 minutes. She's only 25 years old. So that would put her as one of the youngest players on the roster. Um, So a good little move to, um, you know, Add a few more bodies to the bench in case of injury. Uh, what are your thoughts on this signing, folks?
1: I think it was necessary. I think they needed, Utah needed some uh, some reinforcements. Um, and I think Laura Harvey was looking sort of around, and this is sort of a way to get a player without much risk. There's no real trading involved. You're just picking them up off the waiver wire. And I think Harvey's a really good talent scout, and she had to scout Portland a lot when she was in Seattle. So I think she sort of knows knows that when healthy and when ready to go, that Mallory Weber can definitely be a, a, a key player, and especially during a World Cup break. Yeah, I've, I don't know
2: a ton about her, but seeing, you know, she's got some solid minutes under her belt, she seems like she'll be a good addition, especially – Better than having nobody that could have been with Taylor Lytle. So, bums. I'm bummed for Taylor Lytle. I was really excited to see what she could do this season with the World Cup break, but guess injuries suck. That's what we learned today. Yeah.
0: Um. I'm definitely not a Mallory Weber expert by any means. Um. But that said, I agree with y'all. Like, it's a good little signing. I I definitely don't think she's an upgrade from other people who would be on the bench if it weren't for injuries. Like, I don't think she's, you know, is going to out and out beat Taylor Lytle for a spot or, you know, a Brittany Rackliffe for a spot. But I think that she is a body that is an upgrade from someone who hasn't had a lot of NWSL minutes. You know, she's probably an upgrade from as much as I like her, Alex Kimball, who, you know, just came out of college and, you know, is probably, you know, Mallory Weber has that NWSL experience. She has, um, you know, a lot more of it compared to some other folks deeper on the bench. So, I mean, it's a good signing. I think it's an expected signing with an additional season-ending injury. Um, I don't know where she fits in, if at all, in long-term plans, but it's a signing, and that's good. All right. Um, So we're going to go right into questions uh, for the second part of this podcast instead of talking about the game, because they really sort of overlap. Um, So Marcus says, there was no energy at the riot for anyone, team, or fans. Maybe heat, time of day. And with that said, I'm sorry for my poor showing. Um, Agreed with that. Like, honestly, you know, sitting on the court, right in the sun, it's exhausting. Um, A lot of folks who are normally there with us were in Colorado for the Rocky Mountain Cup. Um, which that was a game RSL won. Yeah, it was just hard to have a lot of energy, I think, with the heat and the time of day. I definitely think that the fans probably have an obligation to support the team, even more so when a team isn't playing their best, you know, to hopefully give that atmosphere and give a little bit of that energy. But sometimes it's hard, I think, particularly when outside of that little Amy Rodriguez goal, I think overall it was kind of a boring game, what are y'all what are y'all's thoughts on the energy and the atmosphere on the five at Rio Tinto this last Saturday? Yeah,
2: RJ, what do you think since you weren't there? <laughs> how did it how did it sound on the
1: feed of, on Yahoo's feed? So on the feed it sounded like fine. Like it didn't sound like, oh, the place is packed and they're like rocking the walls and this is the best game ever. But it didn't sound bad um you could hear the drums the the fan noise was a little quieter but sometimes that's just where they place the mics um so i didn't have a huge problem sort of being away from it with the atmosphere that wasn't something that i i noticed
2: yeah it was definitely in the stadium not even close to the craziest atmosphere we've ever had obviously home opener this year and last year were some pretty insane environments but it wasn't bad i especially with the weather. It was pretty warm. It, obviously not even close to as bad as we've done before. But it was a Saturday afternoon. It wasn't a great game. I I was I was okay with how the fans were. I wish we'd gotten a little bit more, but with especially with Real being in Colorado, like you said, joe a lot of people were there. So it was alright. It could have been better. Could have been worse. Not too disappointed with it. I think it's also
1: Mother's Day weekend, which True, which also is the- a yeah, it's not the biggest sports going weekend in the world. So yeah. yeah, a lot of people may be out of town and stuff
2: too for other for their Mother's Day events. Yeah,
0: I I know at least there were a plethora of folks from you know the supporters group who weren't there for one reason or another.
1: And like it happens, I think over I think if every game had fifteen or sixteen thousand, that would be great. But I'm more curious after a game that has 10,000, which is one of the more uh, packed games in the NWSL, um, how the how the team and how the fans respond next game, you know, does it go back up or does it stay down? I think that does tell an interesting story, um, positively or negatively. So I do think, you know, next time they could have 15 and it could be, okay, this was just a, a random fluke. So I don't think we should panic, but it's something definitely to keep an eye on. Yeah.
0: Um, as much as I, you know, I hate this as a caveat. I I also understand it. I think the World Cup has a lot to do with it. I think especially with those Fairweather fans. And, um, I don't, I don't want to say Fairweather fans because I don't like that word. Um, but folks who aren't as like invested in the team, you know, where they're not going to commit to go to any game, every game, no matter what, you know, I think with this game against Orlando, a lot of people come out to that game to see Alex Morgan. And if Alex Morgan isn't there, you know, they're not going to come out. And, um, you know, to other folks' credit, even some of the more hardcore fans, um, one of my homies, I'll just drop the name, um, Ian, Ian, incredible, hell of a dude, drives like four or five hours down from Idaho. And I know that, you know, Uh if he's going to be missing some of the bigger names and he has a bunch of other stuff and it's Mother's Day weekend, even if I offer him tickets, you know, that four or five hour drive isn't going to be worth it for him, um, which I totally get. So it is what it is. Um... Moving to the next topic that Marcus brings up. Sam had some lackluster moments that resulted in goals. Uh, I'm going to 100% blame this on her changing her hair. Um, make it pink again. Like, that is my only comment. Why would you change something that's so glorious? I tweeted this, and uh, Mandy Laddish liked it. it. It has the Mandy Ladish, um, you know, like of approval. So, like, just change it back um but yeah that first goal was entirely her fault um second goal may could have been you know marking a little bit better um sam tried to close her down it, it, it didn't work out um overall i think this is a big problem i think with rachel corsi being gone next week and katie bowen being gone um sam johnson is supposed to be that leader to step up to hold that back line together which is potentially going to be a back line of rookies sam johnson needs to play better period she needs to be the veteran to hold up that back line and a few weeks ago in either a training session or a post game laurel harvey said that sam johnson is a center back who could probably start on any team in the league and i agree with that but that was not a showing of a starting center back especially when we're going into the world cup so you know to be blunt to be harsh like sam johnson needs to be better and sam johnson 100 percent knows that
1: yeah i I think that Sam Johnson is a player that is prone to having a down game. Um, She's not necessarily always as steady as you'd want her to be, but I do think she has shown at times, like Harvey said, that she could start on any team. So I think it's a question of can she build that consistency? Can she have, you know, go from a game where she was okay to a game where she was really not okay? Can she go back up or is she going to stay down? Um, it's sort of like the attendance question, right? Um, So I think that she had a bad game. She knows she had a bad game. Laura Harvey knows she had a bad game. Her teammates know she had a bad game. Uh, That's not the question. The question is, what does she do next week? And does she recover? Does she shake it off? Or does it get in her head? And if it gets in her head, the back line is going to be
0: in for a very bad time. You know, that's a great link into one of our listener questions, John. John. Uh, he just says, I want to know if Johnson can keep cool and not let opposing players get into her head. She has to anchor that back line to use her words. Um, we'll see. Megan, your thoughts? Yeah, I am just going to say,
2: I feel like that's a good good takes from both of you on that. That's one thing with Sam Johnson is I think she is a really good player, but she does have those up and down games a lot. And it's tough to say this early in the season because obviously we didn't see her all that often last season. We're only, you know, we're only our second game in this year, but I'm going to be a little worried if next game doesn't look significantly better from Utah. And obviously it's a different game. It might be a completely different story, but Utah's got a lot coming at them. That is worrisome to know that we're going to lose Rachel. We're going to lose Katie eventually to it's, it's a little frightening to look at the back line. That's going to have to play the next couple months once everybody goes to World Cup, that's for sure. But hopefully Sam can keep it together and the rookies can, you know, prove us wrong and show us that they can rival our starters that are off at the World Cup.
1: I'm really looking forward to Amy Rodriguez outside back.
2: That's <laughs> what we're gonna have to do at some point, so let's put low in the at center back.
1: If Tobin Heath can be an outside back on the national team for a game Amy Rodriguez can pull it off in the NWL. I have no, she, she's
0: at a super attacking outside back. Guys, Jill Ellis's dream. Um, this comment is directed specifically for my guy Scott Parkinson listening. Um, Scott, have Harvey put a wig on you, and uh, you get on that back line and see what you can do, just for the laws.
1: I have some trivia. I have some real time trivia for the two of you. Let's let's hear it. Oh, gosh. Who is the only U.S. Women's National Team goalkeeper who got a cap as a field player?
2: I don't know. I'm going to go Brianna Scurry on that one. That's my shot in the dark.
1: Uh, I honestly have no idea. Say the question one more time. Who is the only U.S. Women's National Team goalkeeper who has gotten capped as a field player?
2: Just, Just throw out Hope Solo and hope for the best.
0: Abby Smith.
1: No, but closer than uh, Megan. It was actually Nicole Barnhart's very first cap on the US Women's National Team. Of course it was.
0: Was as a field player.
1: So put Abby Smith in goal, put Barney as a center back, and you'll be all set.
2: I mean, that's deadly, you know? You just gotta hope, like, Nicole doesn't accidentally go back to her her goalkeeping ways.
1: She just can't use her hands. That's all she's gotta figure out.
2: Just tape them behind her back and have her play center back.
1: Be fine.
0: All right. (laughs) So two more questions sort of along that line. So um, Kurt says, let's talk about some concerns about the strength of the back line and the loss of key players in the midfield. Uh, Whitney says biggest concern is obviously the center back position who will play alongside Johnson until after the world cup and thoughts on how the Royals are going to cope with that. We'll sort of loop those two together. RJ, do you want to go first?
1: Was it you who said that Gunny should be a center back? I didn't say should. I said could. I. The more I think about it, the less crazy it seems. Even though it's totally crazy. Um, I don't know who's going to be that. I feel like that's back, the solution. But to but all it has our to be problems. somebody who is, um, who is able to sort of be that tough defensive player. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but it's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. I. I do worry about the, the spine. Losing Desiree Scott was a huge blow to this team. Desiree Scott has been fantastic. Vero has been fantastic. I don't know how many more parts can sort of be pulled away by the, the World Cup and have this team sort of hold it. Um, I think losing Rachel Corsi is going to be a huge blow. I'm interested to see how the team recovers.
0: But we'll see. <sighs> yeah, I... Yeah. Well, let me collect my thoughts. What are, you, what are your thoughts, Megan?
2: I am going to reiterate that Desiree Scott not being here this weekend cost, like, I don't want to say cost us that game, but I am pretty confident that we could have at least performed better had she been there. Because Desiree has been absolutely incredible this year, and the midfield was struggling a little bit this weekend. And I think we were all just struggling just a little bit. But I was watching so many mispasses in the midfield, so much like miscommunication, so many balls that could have been played over top that never were, so many people that would be wide open on the wings and they would continue to dribble around the middle. And I think Desiree is good at getting the ball out of the middle, out of midfield, because that's what I kept noticing this weekend was we were stuck in the midfield dribbling around and we'd lose possession and Houston would go on the attack and Desiree was able to in other games get us out of that and get the balls out wide and get service into the forwards. And so I think losing Desiree is going to be a bigger, like is going to be harder for us than I think we all originally thought. And that's my hot take.
0: I think you're hitting the nail on the head there. I think Desiree Scott is one of the most underrated players in the world. Um, She's not a striker. She's not a winger. She's not a flashy player in the sense that she scores goals. Um, You know, she's a, she's a, you know, defensive midfielder. And a lot of folks, you know, you don't realize what you're missing until it's gone as cliche as that is. I think that's, I think that's very accurate. Yeah, definitely. So I have a bunch of thoughts about the way we line up defensively. Um, I'm going to loop this in. I think that the Mallory Weber signing is interesting. I think it can indicate one of three things. I think it can indicate one, there's another like center back signing that uh, Harvey has up her sleeve, I think two, it could signal a formation change, or I can think um, that three, that there's a lot of trust in Megan Cox to, um, to be able to step up and play minutes as a starter defensively. Um, I think, obviously, in a, you know, obviously, I think the big story of who we're going to be missing this upcoming week is obviously Rachel Corsi, Scottish captain, I think that Katie Bowen is someone who gets overlooked, and admittedly, I overlook her a lot, too. I think, um, you know, I don't know if it's because the um, federation she plays for is kind of small. Uh, You know, New Zealand as a country is just, you know, sort of always overshadowed by Australia. um, Or, you know, it's sort of being overshadowed by the fact that she's on a back line uh, that potentially has Kelly O'Hara, Becky Sauerbrunn, and Rachel Corsi on it. Um, but she's a phenomenal player in her own right. And so that's a spot that needs to be filled. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Um, Royals could go three in the back. While I don't think that's likely, I mean, I think it could be. I don't know how we line up. I really don't. I I really don't know how we line up. I think Sam Johnson is obviously the shoe-in at center back. I think Laura is probably, and this is just, me guessing, as or most things that I say on this podcast. Uh, I think Megan Cox is also going to start just because she has experience. Laura has proven that she's willing to put her in, even if it's just been for sort of garbage time, end-of-game minutes so far. And then I think, um, other than that, obviously Maimon And on the left, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Ghani drops back. You know, maybe you you put a rookie there. I think I think best case scenario is that Becca Moros comes back and starts. I think that's what, what you hope for. And I think the Royals can be really successful about that. But um, regardless, as talented as Maimon is, and, you know, as, you know, much knowledge of the game, someone like Sam Johnson has, and as good as Megan Cox could be, um, I'm very afraid for a back line during the World Cup that... Um, doesn't have someone like Becca Mora's on it. Those are my thoughts. I don't know how we cope um, to answer your question more specifically with me. Um, I think you just try to squeeze space and stop runs in the box and uh, you know, let Barney do what Barney has been doing for the past 10, 15 years. Switching gears here. Let's talk US women's national team. I unfortunately wasn't able to watch the game. But uh, Kelly O'Hara started, Becky started, Press started. Um, It was a Utah Royals party. Becky was the only one who played the full 90, but it was great to see all three of them get minutes. I think especially, like, really shocked to see Press start. Did not, you know, see that coming. Thought she was just going to be a bench player, and she still could be throughout the World Cup. Um, But interesting implications.
1: I really, really don't love Kristen Press on the wing I think she's good but she's so much better centrally but she's not going to get it on the national team so I just have to give up that sort of Kristen Press starting striker for the national team and just allow her to to be what Jill Ellis is having her be but it sort of breaks my heart a little bit
2: that's a good take I was like I was gonna add on to that and I was like no I kind of just agree with that I'm Excited to see the Royals, though. I'm excited to see Kelly get some minutes and obviously Becky's startings, no surprise. But I'm excited for this World Cup. I'm excited to see how the Royals do.
1: I am shocked that Julie Ertz was allowed to play with gauze in her mouth. (laughs) She got, like, something, something dental in her mouth was bleeding and they literally had her mouth full of gauze for, like, most of the game. Like, you can see pictures of her biting down on gauze as she's going up, and there's, like, it's soaked in blood. It, I don't know how they allowed it to happen, but I guess that's what you happen when, I guess that's what happens when you only take one defensive midfielder. Mm. Mm.
0: Mm. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Um. Yeah, pr- probably not safe. I saw a tweet. Um, that it's interesting how, um, you know, when you get a little bit of blood on your shirt, you have to uh, change it out, but you can just run around with that on. Eh.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how they allowed her to keep going, but I on a positive note, Kelly started, and from the information I had and from the minutes I saw, she played well.
0: Yeah, 3-0 yeah. win. A win's a win going into the World Cup. That's good. Although... Um, You know, if at least I thought that it would have been a little bit more of a beating on the U.S. women's national team. uh, Sorry, coming from the U.S. women's national team just because of, um, you know, South Africa isn't great. But, you know, in the scheme of things, it's just another Jill Ellis friendly. That probably doesn't mean anything. Um, Game against New Zealand, I'm a little bit more hyped about. I think the competition will be a little bit better. And uh, I'm excited to see Katie Bowen play in the midfield. That game is on Thursday, I believe. All right. Um, anything else on the U.S. Women's National Team? Or should we switch gears and talk about um, the game against Houston a little bit that wasn't in direct response to uh, some of the questions that we had?
1: I am always happy when Becky Sauerbrunn plays soccer, so this made me very happy. Good
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good shout. Good shout. So Houston, 10,138 in attendance. It is our one and only one thirty kickoff game. Despite a ton of sunscreen, I still managed to get a little bit burned. Not as bad as it has been. Um, still a little salty about that. Um, and to be blunt, like it just wasn't a super entertaining, fun game. Like, I don't know. It just wasn't that exciting. The Royals really dominated the beginning of the game. And like was said in post game, it just, they just sort of conceded too much space. They started conceding more possession. Uh, To Megan's point a few minutes ago, it just looked super disjointed and dysfunctional in the midfield. Uh, People didn't know who was going where or what run to make. Uh, And I think obviously that's going to be something that will, um, you know, be cleaned up in training this week. But, It was just, I don't know, there's not a lot of really exciting things to say about the game, but there's not a whole, um, you know, ton of fingers to point either. It's just kind of like meh. It's, you know, in a color, it's it's kind of a gray, a gray-flavored game.
1: I think this is what happens when you start sort of pulling the threads on the rug, right? Like, Okay, we're going to take Kristen Press, Becky Sauerbrunn who are starting all games, and Kelly O'Hara who is subbing in. We're going to take them away. And then we're going to take Desiree Scott and Diana Matheson who hasn't played, but we're going to take Desiree Scott out. And then like it just you keep taking players that are starting away from the team, and eventually you're going to get to this, which is a bunch of players, some who start, some who are usually subs, some who don't play every game having to go out there and start, who aren't familiar with each other, who aren't familiar with each other's ticks or patterns, who it's early in the season where they're not in midseason form. I think this is sort of what happens when you keep pulling those threads. And the question is not how does this game look, it's how does the next game look and how does the game after that look when everybody is finally gone and this is just the Royals team that we have for two months and can they survive? I think Harvey will figure it out, but the next probably three games are the three most important games in the Royal season, I think.
0: Yeah. They will be definitely, definitely pretty important games. Megan, what did what else did you think about that game?
2: Oh, the that Houston game was very underwhelming. I I feel like I went into it and was like, Oh, it's Houston. It'll be a good game, you know, we're at home. I haven't lost like you hadn't lost Corzia yet, and then We just went out and it just was, I didn't feel like there was a lot of energy for fans and players alike. We all just kind of went through the motions for 90 minutes a little bit and hoped for the best, which sounds really rude to say. But when you look at like the season opener and there was so much energy and everybody was so pumped and then
0: Houston, we were all just kind of like in a slump, I guess Mm -hmm. is
2: how I felt about it.
0: That's a fantastic word. Underwhelming. I like it.
1: It was very physical, too. Like, there are five cards, a red card. There's a ton of fouls not called. Like, it was not a pretty game of soccer to watch. And I think that sort of adds to that sort of gray, grumbly, just unpleasantness is just seeing all of these fouls. There's no real flow in the midfield. There's no real flow anywhere. And it just sort of feeds into that lack of energy already.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good points. Good points. All right. Shall we move uh, to the next game against North Carolina Courage?
1: Let's shake the last one off and go forward.
0: All right. Um, so obviously Courage first place last year. Um, only team to beat them. They had a 36-goal difference, leading the league, scoring 53 goals. Um, they, you know, not a whole ton of ins and outs. They lost Sabrina D'Angelo um and is Stephanie Labby. How do you I I don't know how you say that. Um Le Bay. LeBay, LeBay, that's right. Um, but LeBay, fantastic keeper in her own right. Um, obviously she's gonna be gone for the World Cup, as is like pretty much all of their roster. Uh, and they're not doing so hot. They lost 3-1 to the Red Stars last week, or which was actually their first multi-goal loss since May 21st, 2017. Uh, before that they drew 0-0 against Sky Blue. Not a good look. They are missing gigantic, gigantic chunks of their roster. That said, um, they still have some, you know, fantastic players like Hinkle, Zabroni, Williams, Merriam Mathias, and you know, Heather O'Reilly. But it's definitely not the the fire-powered roster, you know. Um lynn williams is scary definitely i think lynn williams is a lot less scary with someone like jessica mcdonald next to her um so i am definitely not as concerned about this game as i think i would be um if everyone was healthy and then obviously given their poor run of form um this is one of those games where like you just don't know what to expect you know um Brittany ratcliffe has been the player of the game every time the courage to play them. Brittany Ratcliffe is a non-factor. You know, you just, I don't know how to talk about this game because you don't know what to realistically expect other than that, um, you know, their their defense and midfield are going to still be good, but you just don't know how far they can take it offensively.
1: I think we know one thing we can definitely expect. Go for it. Paul Riley has always talked about this team as an underdog when they were beating teams five, nothing. They just (laughs) lost a game. Do you not think he's going to go back to that? Well, and like, like this is going to be a game where I think the North Carolina courage are highly motivated to put a beat down on the team they're facing next, which unfortunately is the Utah Royals. Like, this is Paul Riley, like with fresh ammo for his underdog narrative. He is going to be so thrilled that he's going to be able to do this.
0: Do you think that actualizes itself, though?
1: I think this is a team that buys it. Like We've seen them buy it when there's no reason for them to buy it. I think this absolutely could motivate the team. I don't know if they'll win, but I think they're going to be hungry to prove that this team is just as good as last year.
0: They're, they're just going to be missing so many players, you know, I don't know. It's going to be so interesting to see. Maybe this is horrifically incorrect, but I would not be surprised to see a zero zero draw in this one.
1: I think a one, one, like I think Williams and, either A-Rod or Stengel's score. Like, I I definitely could see Lynn Williams, especially with Sam Johnson in there. Like, if you watch game tape from last week, I think she's going to go at Sam Johnson. And Lynn Williams is incredibly fast. Like, she's one of maybe the five fastest NWSL players. Like, she's a player that's going to try to go at Sam Johnson, and that may or may not work.
2: I would just like to point out that I predicted – the The North Carolina Courage would end the season in fourth place, and they are currently sitting in fourth place. <laughs> that is my humble brag for the day.
1: When are you going to change your name to Megan Nostradamus?
2: <laughs> when North Carolina finishes fourth in the NWSL. Okay,
1: I'll send the legal paperwork. Okay,
2: <laughs> cool. Will you get a tattoo of that? No, my mother would kill me. So,
1: <laughs> how about a temporary tattoo?
2: Well, I could maybe swing that. If it's somewhere not visible, I could probably be okay, too. But just, like, not across my forehead, you know?
1: I feel like that's saved for, like, an NWSL championship. Not yeah. Not, like, uh, North Carolina in fourth.
2: <laughs> get, Utah wins the championship this year, and I don't get that tattoo. I get, um, yeah, North Carolina finished in fourth. <laughs> but that's... I just had to make sure that it, all of our listeners knew that I was at least you know, five weeks into the season correct on something.
1: I don't think anybody got Houston number one five weeks incorrect. Yeah, no,
2: I had them no in like one. sixth, if I remember right.
0: Yeah, No one. Yeah, that was NWSL is wild, y'all, and it's gonna stay wild. We'll see where Absolutely. it goes. We'll see where it goes. Do y'all have any other thoughts uh, thoughts or hot takes regarding this game or anything else? No, I don't think so. I think I got all my hot takes out for the day. Yeah, I I agree with you both there. It's just who knows. We'll see. Um, you know, after thinking about it, I think you're right, RJ. I think that there probably is at least a goal in this game, but I I it's definitely not going to be a shootout. I'm interested to see. I'm so interested to see what the back line is going to look like. Uh, Very excited to watch it on TV. Uh, It's a winnable game, but again, I wouldn't be crushed if, you know, the Royals don't walk away with three points, but a draw would be nice. All right. Not a lot this week, not a whole ton to talk about, Um, but thanks for listening in to the Utah Royals FC show, everybody. Uh, Have a great week. We will see you next time.